Hi, you entrepreneurs. Today I have Roman P. He is a first generation immigrant uh, from the Ukraine. In this podcast, he really goes in depth of building his brand, his digital uh, marketing brand, and also how he's built out his podcast. It, it's a great listen, uh, kind of hear the insight for an uh, immigrant moving to a, a new community and how they have to readjust and kind of fight for what they want. Uh, take a listen, please subscribe, and of course, tell your friends. Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. So we are here with uh, Roman. Thank you for having on. So you are the founder of Roman Zor, right? Uh, it's a digital marketing company. And then also you, you have a a digital savage experience podcast that you've kind of been rising up the ranks on your podcast, huh? Yep. I mean, it, it's reached uh, number 81 in the charts and in, in the charts in the United States. So crack top 100 and then top 50 in other um, countries like Canada and the United Kingdom, which is cool. And all the hard work is kind of, you know, paying off now. How's, uh, how's that, how's that win once you've actually crapped, cr- uh, I mean, came past the the hundred mark right there. Uh, I mean, it's it's good, and everything at this point is kind of streamlined. So, like all my guests mainly are booked through agencies that I have partnerships with, so I don't have to take the time and kind of go look for guests. Uh, all my content for social is streamlined. All my audio editing is streamlined. So I got to a a good place currently. Obviously, there's room for improvement, but a lot further than when I first started out. How long has your podcast been going for? It's been since uh, December 2017, but this past March is when I really switched kind of gears and turned it into an interview format podcast where I've interviewed about 80 uh, founders, CEOs, former former athletes, authors uh, about their journeys and kind of uh, how they got to where they are now. Oh, nice, nice. What did you, uh, you pick up from the first couple of years of having the podcast together? kind of switching over to the current platform well i for personally for me obviously there's there's shows that it's uh, a host and uh, no you know interviews for me it got a little boring and then you know i was dealing with a lot of personal stuff in my life my grandfather passing away so i think switching it and having to uh the opportunity to speak to other people and uh kind of network in that sense and learn other people's stories and seeing how similar they are and some of the hardships they've dealt with to get to where they are now. I think it helped with actually the coping process with that event. And I think it's a, it's a great way to network and it's added value to my audience. So I kind of stuck with it and chose a specific format, which has, you know, an outline of questions, but additional questions asked during the interview as well and kind of uh, built an audience that way. That makes sense. We're talking about kind of where you came from, you have a, a, I guess, a fairly unique uh, background where you came over um, from the U.S., I think, well, at a young age, right? It was like four. Or- yeah, I came here when I was five in five. Uh, 1990 from Ukraine. It was still under the Soviet Union um, with my grandparents, my aunt, my mother and father and my brother. And uh, we were in a two-bedroom apartment for a while. Everyone had to work. I had to learn English, obviously, in kindergarten and first grade. I had to go to English second language. 
and kind of uh, saw, you know, how hard my parents and grandparents worked and kind of that, uh, that immigrant drive, because if you see a lot of companies, top unicorn companies, billion dollar companies have all been founded by um, immigrants and people coming from, you know, more dire situations that they've came here and used that as uh, inspiration to succeed. So, I mean, kids can be fairly harsh, especially at the, uh, in grade fourth and fifth grade, like learning a, a new language at that time. How was it? How was that process? Do you remember? Uh, well, <laughs> if you learn a language before a certain age, you kind of don't pick up an accent. So if somebody came here at like 15, 16, regardless if they've been here 30 years, they'll still maintain an accent. So I really like about uh, kindergarten, first and second grade, I went to English second language. And at first had an accent, obviously, kids are cruel and stuff, so I made fun of my accent, like my clothes and stuff like that. But I mean, uh, I learned English after that, didn't have to go and kind of um, took it from there. But I mean, it, it was, in my experience, it wasn't as hard to assimilate because I was coming obviously with my family and, and at a, such a young age that I could kind of uh, adapt a lot uh, quicker. What What were some of the things that your, your parents and that that talked to you about kind of I guess where you're born Ukraine like were there stuff that they remind you about like stuff how you have it better here compared to there or anything like that that you were kind of put into your head growing up well when I got in trouble they would tell me that I'm, they're going to take me back there because I don't like you know appreciate the situation and you know what I'm given here and life there um, I've been back twice. Last time I was there was in 2008. I was there in 2006 as well. Um, obviously, there's like a conflict with Russia in the eastern part of the country. So basically, you know, a stalemate kind of war. I'm from Lviv, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site from the western part close to Poland. And uh, Ukraine has been very corrupt in terms of uh, the government and stuff like that. So if I started a business or anything like that, the, uh, you know, the local government, the, you know, prov provincial government may come to me for like bribes or whatever. So you're not, you know, you're not in a free economy in terms of being able to do what you want and kind of make your own uh, journey and make your own road. You're kind of, you know, dictated and mandated by a lot of corruption and that can limit you. You can be thrown in jail for nothing and things of that situation. So uh, there's a lot more freedoms here than, you know, back there. So so what, what happened next? What happened next after you started getting assimilated to the United States, getting assimilated to the culture? I mean, what were some of the things like, what happened next after, uh, I guess, middle school, high school, so on and so forth? Yep. So I graduated high school. I played sports in high school and stuff like that. Um, I got recruited to play D3 and D2 soccer. I played other sports, but I decided not to go to those smaller schools. I went to Rutgers University um, in New Jersey, the State University of New Jersey. I got a degree in criminal justice. Um, la my last semester, I interned with the Secret Service, had a top secret clearance, was on the counterfeit currency squad, uh, squad which was the last year of Bush's presidency right before Obama became president. And I thought I was going to go into criminal justice, uh, law enforcement, and then the economy tank. So state, local, and federal agencies froze hiring. So I was kind of down, uh, kind of depressed. The only thing that really kind of kept me sane was going to the gym. And I met a friend there that he saw, you know, my work ethic and stuff like that and handed me a packet that was about search engine optimization. He basically said, go read this, learn more online about this and other kind of digital marketing, um, you know, channels. 
and you can come and do this for my company, which was a financial services company. So I did that for about two, three months and that kind of opened up the door for me to get in the field. And ever since then, I kind of ran with it. I worked on about 600 campaigns over 11 years. I've held three director roles, started my agency, um, consulted and spoke. So I kind of made my own destiny in that sense. So how was the process of switching over to, to being your own boss when you started building your agency? Um, well, uh, it, it, was, it was great because I had a lot of connections in the field. Oftentimes, somebody may start a business in things that may, they may have not done before. But uh, coming from the digital marketing kind of field and making connections and networking with people over time, it left a good place for building you know, professional relationships uh, networking, uh, getting clients referred or, or specific parts of campaigns that they knew that, you know, I was better at that they may have, um, have not fulfilled to the level than the results that I would deliver. So kind of, uh, all that relationship building over the years in the industry led to an easier transition. So did you have, how long did you have a game plan of transitioning into your own business? Was it something that was put in the works where you're kind of building out your, your database? So when you did transition over, it was just one of those things where I saw a lot of people that I worked with starting their own things, uh, their own agencies, their own kind of consulting firms. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm smarter. I mean, I'm just as intelligent, if not smarter than majority of these people. And like, why not me? So kind of researching and taking the first steps, building a website, getting an LLC, starting kind of the, the business structure itself and all the things that come with it in terms of, you know, legality and then kind of taking it from there. What were some of the, you think the biggest hurdles? I know you had some I mean, hurdles coming over here, but besides that, what are some of the other hurdles that you've had to kind of go through to get to the point that you're at today? I mean, in terms of the professional sense in any industry, you're going to get screwed over by people, um, people close to you, uh, business partners. So certain projects, certain campaigns where, you know, um, got screwed over out of money or, you know, the people disappeared and I had to kind of carry the weight or just, you know, negativity in that sense. Um, but other than that, that's something kind of easy to overcome and you learn over time that how to deal with those situations because obviously if you're younger and uh, somebody kind of screws you over in business or keeps money from you or things of that nature you may react a lot differently than you you would maybe in your 30s or 40s when you kind of went through the process and gotten that emotional iq and kind of learn how to uh, deal with it better well i'm assuming the first time you got screwed over you that probably affected you fairly well do you remember that time yeah, I mean, it was like, uh, you know, working on, on uh, with other agencies and they didn't kind of pull the weight. And then obviously that influenced me and, and my agency because at that point, you know, you're working on the same client. So they don't really care if there's 10 agencies, 10 people, one person, two people. You're, you know, you're kind of a, a body of work put together. So it's like, you can't just be like, okay, well, this person isn't part of my agency and he did a bad job, but look here, I did a good job at that point. It's one campaign and it's, you know, success or failure. So knowing the right partners who you're working with, uh, being more in control of your projects, uh, ideally controlling the whole project and doing it 
um, in your own agency or, you know, within your own business and not necessarily having to collaborate makes things a lot uh, easier. So for someone listening right now, walk me through. So someone's reaching out to you. They want uh, to use your service for some digital marketing, right? How would you control the situation to alleviate some of the possibility of them screwing you over? Like, so, I mean, it, I guess it's a client. It's usually like a client or a company comes or it's another agency. Hey, you know, I've heard or seen results that are good. Can you take care of this for one of my clients? Um, if it's an individual company, then basically auditing and understanding where they stand. So, okay, have you done anything in terms of digital? How long? So having a questionnaire and then doing an audit understanding the type of content they have, what they've done on social, what they've done paid search wise, um, content strategy, uh, search engine optimization. They access, have access to analytics and figuring out what's been done over time because a lot of it is kind of, um, if you take something over, it's more like a detox where you have to uh, remedy a lot of issues that were caused before you actually can start and, and doing things that move the needle. So understanding that and basically baseline, baselining correctly to really understand how much time is going to take and what you should be charging. Because obviously, if you don't identify all the problems, you may be out of pocket for a lot of the work because a campaign may not work because you have to spend, let's say, 50 hours to fix one thing before you get to the part where you can actually put in the work and, and deliver results for a client. So, so it sounds like when you first started getting going, you weren't really getting enough information to give a, a good enough quote. And that's kind of where the taking advantage was kind of happening. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the client. A lot of the times the client doesn't even know what, you know, what, what's, what's been done or the company over time, if they haven't had a internal marketing team, because you're either dealing with an internal marketing team, um, another agency or, or both or a consultant, and then everybody's kind of trying to pull at the business and point fingers. Well, this person isn't doing this. This person isn't doing that. And having really the data to back up what you're saying really goes a long way. So <clears throat> what, um, if you could talk to maybe someone, I know you moved over here at a younger age, four or five, let's say you'd still probably have a good understanding. If someone came over here from another country, maybe at the age of nine, 10, a little bit older than you, is there kind of some advice that you would give, give the individual? Yeah, I mean, I guess don't be afraid to kind of put yourself out there. Obviously, it's a little kid, um, but learning the language as fast as possible. Ideally, if you come over and you you know English a little bit, it's going to go a long way. So in terms of a kid, you may not know if your family's moving, you know, internationally from another country to here up until it actually happens. But I mean, a lot of countries in the world teach, you know, English as a second language in, in, in schools. And it's a global language, so learning the language as fast as possible and putting yourself out there as fast as possible, too. So getting friends, because oftentimes, you know, I came to the United States and then, you know, my, my parents were friends with other Ukrainians. So basically assimilating a little faster and getting people in your life that are from different ethnicities and point of view and different walks of life to kind of really see how life is in the United States, because it is a melting pot. So, I mean, a lot of cultures kind of just, you know, keep to themselves, come here. And there's people that don't even necessarily learn English because they can stay in their community and just know their native language. And they don't really need uh, the English language because they don't go anywhere else other than their community. So learning that, putting yourself out there 
and uh, just, you know, learning different people and, and what their life is. So obviously this podcast, we're learning about each other and uh, you were on my podcast, but having that understanding in terms of your classmates, where they're coming from and make as many friends as possible and then see where that goes. Obviously not all friendships are genuine, but you know, friends can really go a long way if you're, you know, in a foreign place and you may not, you know, know anybody to begin with. Yeah, I think who you surround yourself plays a big factor, not just as friends, but also in business, like knowing who they are, knowing that they actually have your best interest in mind, play a huge factor. So I totally agree with that. What are, I mean, I'm always curious about uh, the different lifestyles that individuals have in different countries, because I know there's stuff that we take for granted here that's kind of the American way of doing things, or even the Western way of doing things. Is there some things that you can look at saying that, if I was living in Ukraine right now, this aspect of my life possibly could be different because that's not the way of doing things there. Yeah, I mean, it's better now than it was when, you know, when I left, which was still under the Soviet Union and I'm coming from a bigger city of about a million people. So like life is a little different. But back then it's like you have to wait sometimes in a bread line for a loaf of bread hot water would be shut off at night and there was other instances like that so i think like a lot of the countries even have it worse obviously third world countries and then coming here so anything a lot of the stuff that those people struggle with here is like a cakewalk because that lifestyle prepared them and uh anything that they deal with here is a lot less um traumatic or a lot less to go through than what they started off with and where they came from yeah i mean it's it doesn't matter how bad you you have it or someone that has a worse. What's uh, so what's next for you? What's next for you, for your company, for your podcast? What's next, Ron? Company is just growing in, in industries that I've had success in pharma, life sciences, legal, financial podcasts. Eventually I would like to get a bigger sponsor. So that aspect is kind of streamlined in terms of all of that gets paid for not necessarily, you know, earning right this year, but in 2020, get, getting, you know, a mid-tier sponsor for the podcast and seeing where that goes. And a goal is to get it in the top 50 in my category um, on iTunes and uh, other platforms as well. And then personally, I'm, I'm a foster parent, so figuring out and dealing with, you know, situations that arise with the foster kids and possibly, and the next year or two, if the opportunity presents itself, uh, adopting from the foster care system. That's great. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. I think everyone listening um, got some got some at least great great information about kind of fighting through and even hearing from where you, you came from. So thanks again, Roman, for being on the platform. My uh, pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.